Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, it is going, uh, it's going great. I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, I'm, glad I, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to build myself into a positive attitude here, David. I'm trying to have an no, attitude. You know, you haven't been positive these last few podcasts. I'm hoping. I know. Uh, are you okay, Tim? No, I, I'm just uh, <laughs> cynic these days. I'm mad at everyone. I hate Canadians. I think they, they're going to get what they deserve, good and hard. I, you should uh, go back and rewatch our episode where I have a case for optimism. Maybe, maybe it'll the same arguments will reconvince you, Tim. Yeah, that, that's right. And, you know, at the end of the day, I should be grateful that I have something to fight for, right? I mean, if everything was easy, if if we had the the kind of utopian world that maybe we imagine, uh, what fun would that be? It would be boring. I We we need a fight. We need a... We need Gotta a, be on the frontier. We need a challenge. So I guess I should be grateful for that. I should be a happy warrior. There you go. There you go. Look at that. Turn Just, that frown upside down. So today we wanted to talk about um, a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Trickle-down economics, uh, whether it's true and valid or, or whether it's bogus. My, why don't you start? Why don't you get us started? Sure. Well, I've seen a lot of uh, articles recently talking about how trickle-down economics has failed and and uh, debunking trickle-down economics, right? And um, essentially what trickle-down economics refers to is kind of Reaganomics or supply-side uh, economics. Uh, this idea that um, lowering the taxes on the rich or something like that uh, raises all boats. Uh, but ultimately, the what trickle-down economics is, that that phrase itself, that uh, comes from a, a leftist humorist, I think Will Rogers, and he was using it to kind of parody this idea that he, he, they build a straw man, right? And a straw man is this, the idea behind supply-side economics or lowering taxes on the rich and the capitalists is that the capitalists will just that the money will trickle down it used to be called uh this i think the seed and sparrow economics back in the 1800s uh um where a horse uh eats eats some seeds or eats some oats or whatever shits it out and then the sparrows eat that right so so that's the theory that that the leftist kind of straw man is that all the money goes to the wealthy and then eventually it trickles down to the less wealthy and, and it raises their boats. And then they go ahead and they debunk that straw man. And of course, that's not at all what we, the, the economic theory beside, behind supply side economics or, uh, or free market economics, right? It's not the, the idea behind letting the wealthy keep their money, <laughs> keep their wealth, isn't that eventually that money will trickle down uh, to the poor, uh, it's that uh, that capital investment savings uh, that's all required in order for for um, for jobs to be created. I mean, if if you don't have that, you don't have jobs. If you don't have jobs, if you don't have um, pr productivity, you don't have wealth. And so, without that, uh, without investment, without capital. Uh, ex you know, aggregation without savings, people 
don't have uh, any way to produce things, and then they're poor. So all the all that supply side economics says, or, or free markets economics says, is you leave those people alone, and um, it's better than than undermining the very thing that's raising all boats. But so the left argument is that, no, well, if you want money to go to these poor people, no, we'll give it to them. I'm going to take it from you and give it to them. What is this delay right. of, you know, apparently some system will eventually raise their standards? Yeah, and that's that assumes, right, that, um, that what there is is there's one pot of money and the rich are hoarding that pot of money. And I think these people imagine that these... Uh, millionaires and billionaires are just sitting there with all this money in the in their bank, right? It's just sitting there, and mm. of course, it's not being useful. And and obviously, the poor people who's having a hard time putting food on his table, well, if you gave them money, they could use that, and it would benefit them greatly. But of course, that's not at all how it works. It's not like they're a billionaire is sitting there and they've got a billion dollars in the bank. They're a billionaire because they have invested their money into businesses, into capital, into means of production. They've scrimped and saved and eventually built up their thing. And and that that money is tied up in things, right? Whether it's uh, real estate or factories or investments or whatever. So it's not like they have ready access to be able to pull that money out and just go buy a yacht or something like that. It's not like it's sitting there in a bank account not being used. And so in order for that billionaire, if you want to spread that wealth, what you then have to do is start dismantling factories. Uh, you have to cut up real estate. You have to cut up everything that is producing value. You have to chop that up and then give it to these people so they can put food on their plate. And of course, by doing that, you undermine the very means of production that is creating all this wealth, right? It's the productivity, it's the material uh, productivity that creates all the wealth. It says why we get iPhones, right? And, and and so what you're doing is you're trading that for the immediate short-term gratification of being able to put on your food on the table for this particular dinner, but at the expense of we no longer have an iPhone factory, we no longer have a food processing facility. We no longer have a farm raising uh, produce. Um, all those things that actually generate wealth are going away now because you have uh, taken it away from the person that owns it, the wealthy person, and given it to the poor person. So why is it so difficult for the average person to understand that connection, that it's not just a, a rich person sitting on a, uh, you know, a pile of money, that normally it's invested? But I also had, I had a, a friend of mine recently say that, no, what happens if, if there is someone with $50 billion in the bank and they can live off of the interest for the rest of their life and all of their family's lives, and that $50 billion does just sit in the bank. Um, and like, shouldn't we then take that money since it's not useful to anyone? Um, so how do people not make the connection? And what about the, the few rich people or some rich people that do just sit on their pile of money? Well, I, I mean, again, I, I have yet to meet that theoretical rich person, right? Because, mm -hmm. um, because look, these people didn't get rich from just <laughs> sitting on money, right? Like that, that's how a poor person thinks. That's how people who don't produce anything think. They think that, um, you know, you, you get a pile of money and then you just slowly chip away at it till it's gone or something like that. They, they don't ha know how to make money work for them. Right. And mm -hmm. so these people, so even if it's sitting in a bank, say putting out 
two or three percent interest. Well, why is it putting out interest? It's because the bank is using that money to invest in things, right? It's not just sitting there in a vault in a safety deposit box, not yeah. doing anything. That would be a stupid, stupid thing to do. That would be something that uh, a person with a poor mentality, uh, a person that never can figure out how to make money work for them would do. But that's not what these people do. They they deploy it. They use it to uh, get returns, right? The way that the reason they're getting interest is because that Even money is producing stuff, yeah. something. It's producing Even something. Even if it's else. just sitting in a bank. Yes. It's being used. They wouldn't be getting interest if that money wasn't of use to someone. Right. Yeah. And I, so I mean, so their, their argument might make sense if, you know, it was like a pot of gold or something sitting under their bed, not doing anything. It's just sitting there. But of course, even that gold is kind of doing something. It's creating a purpose, right? It's There's a reason why they're sitting it there in their vault under their bed or whatever uh, is because they're worried about, they're trying to protect something. They're, they're worried about an economic downturn or the money going to crap or whatever. It, it, you need to save for rainy days. And so what they're doing is saving for rainy days. And who would you want more saving for a rainy day than someone who has figured out how to make money work, how to deploy it so that it's producing things, producing value for people in a way that profits them? Uh, th there's no other person you would want to have that money. You just hand it out to, to homeless people. Well, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to produce any value with it? No, they're going to consume with it. They're going to, you know, and... and and then it's gone. And then, you know, uh, where do we go so, from there? So I've been trying to hold off on this thought, but I, I can't I can't hold it off any longer. But the objectivist statement or the object, objectivist viewpoint is that the reason you can't win these arguments is because you're arguing the wrong thing and that it's actually a moral basis as to why wealth redistribution is wrong. And to just talk about the fact that sure. um, that, oh, it's. Impro like rich, like saying trickle down economics, let's say, does work, and that's why we should do it is because everyone's um, votes get gets lifted. That's basically defaulting on the argument and why capitalism is losing steam because it doesn't matter yeah. even if it didn't work. It does work, but even if it didn't, it's fundamentally wrong to steal yes. from people. And so, like. To, I think that's also part of the reason why it's not a convincing argument to a lot of people is because it's you're saying that this works better and they're saying that that works better. Right. And there's there's right. arguably data on both sides. But fundamentally, it's a moral principle um, that it is wrong to steal. Yeah. And that's that's a great point. I mean, abolitionists didn't argue that. Uh, listen, um, getting rid, rid of slavery will be more economically beneficial, right? You could make a case for that. You could say, look, yeah, you know, slavery is distorting the market. Capital isn't being deployed properly. Uh, there's no incentive to create labor-saving devices that will increase productivity. We, we won't end up with giant combine harvesters that, you know, take out half an acre of cotton at a time with minimal cost compared to slaves. They didn't make that argument. They simply said, regardless of whether cotton could be picked better uh, or not, regardless of the effects to the economy, slavery is immoral and ought to be abolished. And it just so happens that, as Ayn Rand says, what is moral is also practical. Um, you know, it, it turns out getting rid of slavery had had positive economic benefits. It yeah. wasn't, an, you know, and and so you can make the same argument here. But I guess what I, I'm looking to do is 
is look at the underlying, underlying assumptions that these people and argue them on their face, which is probably the wrong thing to do. But, you know, another one of their the, 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 the whole funny thing about this is, is that it's 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 like psychological projection, right? This idea that trickle down economics is what the capitalist is arguing for. Well, no, that's actually what the statist, what the progressive is arguing for. They're arguing that the government ought to collect that money and then it ought to trickle down to the poor people as if the government is somehow this mag magical entity that's purely efficient, like that half that money yeah. won't be taken up into bureaucracy and then the, the right. other half will go to these places where it, it probably isn't even needed or going to be properly distributed as if that's mm -hmm. somehow better than than uh, capitalism. So they're the trickle down economic economists, as far as I can tell, in that they think that there's one pile of money and that it, the, the, our goal ought to be to evenly distribute it. Uh, and that's how we have economic justice or something like that. Well, I'm interested like you in why you wanted to talk about this specifically, because it seems hard for me to have it on any one like plane of thought, let's say. Um, not only the moral principle about it, but also just the multivariate, let's call it political principles of it, of central planning generally, right, um, doesn't work. So that's a separate issue from the actual status of the money or where the money's coming from. It's where the money's going and who decides that and how. That's a huge other dimension that is part of this, in addition to the fact that you're taking from one big organization that produced its own wealth, let's say, to another organization that didn't, that is then needing to fund itself. So you're needing to fund these, yeah, like you just said, the second organization of government, trusting that they'll use it efficiently, trusting that they'll know how to plan it. But so, yeah, I'm confused as to the tone of these conversations that people are having, or is it really just people trying to beat down the concept that, um, that capitalism does spread the wealth, right? Yeah, what it is, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I, I keep seeing these arguments against trickle-down economics, right? And and yeah. it, they are subversive in two ways. One is they're subversive in that they're, first of all, they're inventing the straw man that is kind of ridiculous, right, on the face of it. And it's like, okay, well, if, if capitalists actually believe this stuff in that money just trickles down, that's nakedly ridiculous. And it is, but that's not what we believe, right? Uh, and and then <laughs> the second part is that they then have all these erroneous assumptions when you read the article. Uh, again, they're, they're attacking the straw man rather than the actual arguments. And so they, they paint capitalists into this ridiculous caricature. And what I wanted to do was reveal why these articles are all wrong why mm. why it's a straw man and why you know it, it's ridiculous like no one thinks this way that who's a capitalist um to to take some to to defang it i guess because i, I just see the these articles all over the place and are there people making like proper responses because you can't really debate uh, on that straw man front but are there places where the proper message is carried out because that's kind of the the worry is that most people arguing for capitalism aren't doing it robustly, aren't doing it properly, and so it feeds into the straw man uh, premise. Yeah, there, I, there are certainly people that argue against this. I mean, if you go to Mises.org, the Mises Institute certainly uh, has a lot of articles uh, debunking this um, <laughs> this straw man uh, and, and where it comes from. But the, the, it's a kind of a brilliant straw man because. 
in order to argue against it, you, you you're implicitly arguing for trickle down economics, right? Uh, but that's not what but that's not what we're arguing for. Uh, we're arguing for capitalism, not trickle down economics. That's actually what they're arguing for. They're they're actually arguing for a trickle down theory where the government gets all the money and the money trickles down. So it's kind of a brilliant uh, subversive thing that that's mm-hmm. a difficult subject to take on. The Mises Institute does a pretty good job of it. I've, I think I've seen some episodes on the Tom Wood show where he takes it on, um, but I don't see a, see a widespread uh, pushback on this stuff. Well, I think it's just. I don't know where that thought was going, actually. Um, what I'm distracted by is also and just another fundamental error in the thinking of the way wealth is created, right? Well, they don't right. really think it's created generally, but let's you you brought up the iPhone. Like that is a tool that increases the productive capacity of every person who has it, right? And so you needed millions and millions of dollars to create tool, they can now create their own wealth to a significantly better degree. And so it's not just the idea that, you know, we'll hire you when when I'm rich, I can hire a thousand employees and I'll pay you. It's that I can actually create things that allow you to be productive at a at an exponentially bigger rate. Right. Um, You posted I think you posted that meme of like the person on the desert island trying to uh, produce without using their their mind. Sorry, I'm I'm trailing off a bit. Anyways, the yeah, so the fundamental another fundamental thing is this increase in production capacity and and so it just shows that the straw man is so weak, but I don't know how to get these points across to people who refuse to open their eyes to it, right? So it's like how do we actually get these these messages to them when they're just circling around these um straw man arguments that you can't actually engage on? Yeah, that's that's a difficult one. That's what we're trying to do here with this podcast. And, uh, you know, if I knew the answer, if there was another way of doing it, uh, I'd be doing it right. Um, You know, but but you're right that people don't understand how, you know, the the thing that needs to be explained isn't poverty. Poverty is our national natural state of humans, right? We were born into right. poverty for most of human history. We all lived in abject poverty. What needs to explain is where did all this wealth come from? Did it come from the Federal Reserve printing a bu- bunch of money and then distributing it to people, and we were suddenly wealthy and suddenly factories sprung up? No, that's not where wealth comes from. Uh, it, it comes from saving, investment, innovating, uh, you know, all, all these things uh, from ultimately from private well, property rights Well, first of all, producing. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Production missed, has to it be It ultimately the goal. comes from, well, product, it, it comes from an individual wanting to produce value, right? right. And, and this idea, yeah, that, oh, well, we have all of this wealth, we have all of this value, so let's just give it to people and then they'll be productive. It's no, they have right. to want to produce. They want to, ha- they have to want to create value. And they have and to have the, the means to produce thing. things too, right? They have to have the means to produce things. And this is the, the thing that people miss out on. The value of, of the capitalist who creates a factory is that you have now increased the person that agrees to be employed there. You've increased their ability to produce things. So now they're producing at a much greater rate than they ever mm-hmm. were. They're able to produce more value to the world than they ever were before just sitting at home. Uh, you know, maybe 
planting their garden or living a subsistence lifestyle. Now they can live more than a subsistence lifestyle because they're able to produce more value because someone had the ability to produce this factory by saving, investing, all these other things. And now other people are able to benefit from that. And that's where, and, and that's where, um, the, the, all the boats rise up, right. Is right. because now that I'm able to produce more value by working at this factory that someone else created, uh, I am more wealthy because I'm getting more in return as well, because I'm producing all this value. So that that's the po point that people miss. They don't, I, I get the feeling that these people, a, they, they've never created anything of value or uh, right. they feel like they're entitled to just getting money for punching the time clock, right? By showing up to work and getting these things uh, that well, they don't yeah. understand. Yeah. It's absolutely both, right? I think um, people have been in, inculcated with the idea that they do just sit, they get paid to exist. Right. And a lot right. of people, that is yes. their job at the moment. Right. They they go, they sit, they do nothing for eight hours and they get paid. And I mean, that's a huge flaw in the system generally. And that's, you know, for another another conversation. But, yeah, when it comes to like a Chinese worker working at an iPhone factory, they can create an iPhone. They can contribute to creating an iPhone by doing their little routine task every day. That person probably was a farmer. Right. Or, or would be a peasant of some sort without this factory. And so to say that, you know, they're creating all of the wealth and it's and all of the money from Apple should actually go to all of the workers. It's no, there is a fair share amount as well. And, and the accumulation of wealth for the people who create these means of production and have these ideas, right. why should it go to the person who's employee eight who stamps the uh, stamps on the assembly line? Right. right? As if they didn't benefit at all in their ability to get wealth from the person who created these systems, right? And so it's this complete kind of disconnect. But I think fundamentally, it does come down to the people who've never produced anything. And so I think back yeah. to the, the idea of these people sitting on $50 billion in a bank account. It's like, no, well, that's a bad choice of how to use your money. That's not what I would do if I had $50 billion by any means. I wouldn't just leave it sitting somewhere. But it's this idea that that's all rich people do. Um, so it's it's just the same. I don't know right. how to break into these people's mindsets well, if they've never needed to produce. Yeah, and, and it occurs to me that the underlying assumption here I think most people have is that wealth comes from money, right? That mm -hmm. it's the money. that and, and this then drives the idea that uh, of consumption economics, right? That what we need to do to stimulate the economy is increase consumption because that's people spend circulating money, getting money out there into the world. And then um, that's going to increase the wealth of the people that are receiving the money because wealth comes from money, right? But of course, you and I know that wealth doesn't come from money. Uh, wealth comes from pr production. Production, raising your material, uh, uh, your, your material wealth, I guess, your ability to do things in the world, right? And th this is why the poorest people today who have iPhones and shelter uh, and all that kind of thing are richer than the, the richest kings of 200 years ago because that wealth has, is in material things, their ability to do things, their ability to live longer, to flourish more, to have more choices and options available to them. That That is the, where wealth comes from. It's not 
doesn't come from money. If that were the case, then the federal government could simply print trillions and trillions of dollars and we would all be immediately more wealthy. But of course, that's not the case, even though the Keynesians well, think it is. We haven't tried it yet. We could print trillions of dollars. We haven't really given it like a thorough <laughs> try, Tim. Well, I have seen some people advocate for the, you know, the Federal Reserve to just print a couple of trillion dollar bills to pay off debt, right? And imagine that yeah, that somehow sense. solves something. That they've just created all this if wealth. We, well, we have the ability to print money, so we should just give everyone a million dollars and then it then we're and it's solved, we're all, right? We're wealthy, yeah. We're all rich. We all have a million dollars. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And of course, you know, what hasn't changed is the fact that uh, there's no more material things in the world that are making our lives better. Right. So at the end of the day, all that happens is the price of everything goes up. Your dollar is worth less and we're still in the same state of nature. You know, I once heard an economist make a good point that let's imagine that we just kept things as they are now, but evenly distributed all the money uh, equally among all the people right now. Uh, and he pointed out that within a few short years, all that money would be back in the hands of everyone where it is right now, because it ultimately follows value. It goes to the means yeah. of production, right? And so ultimately, the people that are able to produce value are going to end up with that money. You need uh, an iPhone. Well, you, you know, guess what? The people who make the iPhone are going to end up with a whole lot of money because uh, that's where your money's going to end up going. So all the wealth, all the money, I should say, will accumulate to the, to those that are making, producing things at the end of the day anyways. But there, I mean, the, the way we can address wealth inequality, there are ways, I mean, we could abolish central banking. That would go a long ways to, because there is artificial inequality that is created through central banking. We could uh, get rid of intellectual property and, uh, uh, you know, regulatory capture where there's all this crony capitalism going on, where monopoly uh, rights are given to particular companies and prevent competition. So small mom and pop shops can't compete because they're it's illegal for them to compete you know getting rid of that stuff would would even the playing field a little bit more but at the end of the day our goal shouldn't be equality it should just be property rights and uh the non-initiation principle um and and you know we should be we, we should look at people that are wealthier than us as aspirations what are they doing and what can I learn from them to be more productive, to, to get more wealth? Uh, but instead, what we see in our society and where I think all this is ultimately driven from is hate the rich, victim mentality, right? I am yeah. in the position I'm at in life, not because of anything I've done or haven't done, but because of that rich person who's hoarding all his wealth and not giving me my fair share. I think it's this it's, mentality. Yeah, I think it's also that there's been this complete collapse of the concept of value Right. So it's that, no, no, no matter what they do, they're, they don't provide more value. I'm, I'm infinitely valuable just for my existence and I should be paid because of that. Like, and yes, there is a sense every person's unique, a great little flower and it's important. And I do believe that to some extent, but not in the extent of everyone is just objectively equal in value. Right. There are some people who provide huge value to millions of people, billions of people. And there are some people who do nothing. And to say that, value is equal across all of them and there would be people who think who do think we should redistribute the wealth and then it would be wrong for anyone to rise above that it should just it should just be perpetually distributed because everyone is equally valuable 
And it's like, well, you should really check what you're basing your definitions of value on then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Take some cool. personal responsibility, people. God damn it. Yeah. Stop well, being... I hope this was helpful, Tim. I don't know if it helped you work through your, uh, your thoughts around making good arguments against the, tr the, the straw man. I think it helped a little bit. You know, I, what I might do is put together a presentation on this that's a little bit more organized and, and mm. succinct. Um, so, it, but this was definitely helpful. Uh, you know, I had a couple of insights like, you know, the, the, the fact is that people think that money is wealth rather than productivity or creating value as being wealth. And so that, that I think is a key insight there. So we'll see where it goes. We'll see if I get cool. something. Thanks, Tim. Well, cool. thank you, David, as always.